Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Problematic Women, a podcast and Facebook live show that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of liberal feminist, which there is never a shortage of. <laughs> My name is Kelsey Harkness. I am a senior news producer at The Daily Signal and contributor to The Federalist. And I'm Bree Payton, staff writer at The Federalist and friend of The Daily Signal. Today we are joined by a special guest in studio, Jenny Beth Martin, who is the co-founder of Tea Party Patriots. So this week we had a lot of news going on. And at the start of the show, we like to get into a couple of headlines that are just not quitting, right? So just a couple of hours ago, just to roll right into it, Senator Al Franken announced that he was stepping down from office in the next couple of weeks amid numerous allegations of sexual assault. What are your thoughts on all of this and the Me Too movement in general? Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm really glad to be able to talk about this. I've I've been writing op-eds about it, and it's a subject that I have a lot of thoughts on. Um, When it comes to Al Franken, I don't see how he could not have step down with all of the allegations that are, are coming out, the photographic evidence of what he did, um, it, it it was time for him to step down. Had these things been out before the voters voted for him, maybe, and, and they still voted for him, then it, it'd be a different situation. But they didn't know. They didn't have all the facts when they voted for him, and it was time for him to go. And that gets to another issue in all of this, which is the hush fund account that Congress is using our taxpayer dollars to pay out millions, right, in complaints. And some of them are sexual harassment complaints. Some of them are uh, workers' comp complaints. But we don't really know how much has been paid out specifically for sexual assault allegations. So what are your thoughts on all of that and just the process about how these types of complaints are handled and the HR department in Congress? Well, um, what we're calling it at Tea Party Patriots is the shush fund. It's a slush fund to hush women up. It's a shush fund. Yeah. And it's time for transparency in it. We've been calling for transparency from day one. We know $17 million has been paid out. It's Now, this is over the course of many years, not like over the last 24 months or something. So it's many years. And we need to know um, how, what was with sexual harassment, what was with discrimination, what were the other workforce violations that were happening, who did it, which members of Congress were being paid to, or did our hardworking tax dollars go to to shush up their accusers so that the, the members of Congress could continue to skate on by. Now, I'm not as concerned, though I think it's wrong, and I don't, I'm not excusing it, I'm not as concerned about exactly which staffers engaged in this behavior they need to be dealt with but as an employer sometimes you're going to make mistakes when you hire people and and so that part happens but the people who are elected members of congress they're supposed to be living under the laws that they expect everyone else to live under and we need to know who who it was that was violating it the 17 million dollars could be the big the big piece, or it could just be the tip of the iceberg. What we also know is that there are individual congressional offices that have paid to shush women up as well. I want to know not just what happened with the shush fund, but how many other members of um, Congress have been paying to shush up other women from their congressional office funds. Those are funded by taxpayers, presumably for constituent services, not to allow, not to pay people off so they can get away with sexual 
misconduct. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think, you know, if you're using taxpayer dollars, we just, we deserve to know where that money is being spent. And we deserve to know exactly uh, how it's being spent, especially in regards to this kind of a topic and this kind of behavior that apparently the slush fund is just enabled. So... Getting to another headline of this week in regards to the Me Too movement, Time Magazine decided to name the silence breakers as the person or persons uh, of the year. And Kelsey, you noticed someone who was notably left off the list. Who was that and why do you think she was excluded? Yes, that was Gretchen Carlson. And I wasn't the only person to notice this. She was trending on Twitter this morning um, because a lot of people realize Gretchen Carlson, former Fox News host, she really was the first uh, woman to bravely uh, step up and not just um, fight against the problem, but fight against the system that's enabled the problem. And because Gretchen did that, so many other women at Fox News came forward. And I think for her not to be on the cover of this magazine, someone, someone's head got chopped off a little bit here, but I do, for those of you watching <laughs> Ashley Judd, guillotined. <laughs> well, actually, I think that comes to a point that it, you wanted to make. Um, but we do see someone like Taylor Swift here, which is interesting because for those who are not familiar, maybe new to our show, Brie and I are uh, hardcore Taylor We're Swift We're super fans. fans. Yeah, we yeah. are We are Swifties. So I, I give Taylor so much credit for coming forward. What she did was file a lawsuit when a radio host inappropriately uh, put his hand where it should not have been. And I think it's great that Taylor Swift recognizes her the powerful position that she is in. And I think she filed that lawsuit specifically not to help herself, but to help other women who might face these types of inappropriate behavior. But I do question why someone like Gretchen Carlson, who again stood up to a system, is not standing on this cover as well. Um, I, I wondered the same thing. And she did so when it wasn't easy. Um, right, because it was her boss. Well, it was her boss. Others had not been been doing this, not and not nearly as publicly. But she went forward and did this, and I see her as a trailblazer with this. And she she has brought forth the issues that exist because of the non disclosure agreements that that are being signed and the forced mediation. And she helped pave the way for other allegations to come out. Yet she was not not mentioned at all. I find it very convenient for for Time News to ignore that. Well, another person who has not really been mentioned in the whole Me Too movement is Kellyanne Conway. Um, Kellyanne Conway was doing an interview with Politico earlier this week where she actually addressed this, and we wanted to play a clip of that interview here. Secretary Elaine Chao was here earlier, and she was asked by Carrie Woodoff Brown, kind of one of the big themes, has been obviously a national conversation about sexual harassment. Did she have a Me Too moment? Have you had a Me Too moment? Yes, I did, but mine was very public and nobody cared about it, respectfully. So when you want to make that exchange with whoever, um, the big takeaway from today, you should think about that. You should think about me going on national TV on October 9, 2016, and the spin room, my first interview after that second debate, uh, Access Hollywood weekend, when I said to Chris Matthews and Rachel Maddow and Brian Williams on live TV, I talked about how um, I had, that there were a couple of members of Congress on the list that Chris was holding up or referencing that um, I said, oh, I recognize a couple of those names. Maybe when I was younger and prettier, they had uh, tried to shove their tongue down my throat or rub or do worse. Um, yes, of course I've had a Me Too moment, but nobody cared about that. 
and nobody cared that I was saying it because of whose campaign I was managing. So if we're going to have an honest conversation, everyone, you can't pick and choose depending on somebody's politics. And you can't pick and choose. I can tell you most women in this country who have been victims of sexual assault or sexual innuendo or sexual harassment or sexual misconduct, they don't even think about politics. I doubt it very much. That's not what they're thinking about. They're thinking about the same. I think that she's completely right in her assessment of this. She experienced a Me Too moment and everyone ignored it because they were like, oh, well, you work for Donald Trump. And he said gross things that got caught on tape. So you don't deserve, you know, equal protection under the law, basically, because we don't agree with your politics or we don't like the person that you're working for. Or, or it was inconvenient to pay attention to the allegations she was making. It was much more convenient to to continue to focus on on the election and to focus on Donald Trump. And at that time, they were, the press was they were they were just gleeful, thinking that it was the end of Donald Trump's Trump's campaign at that point. And um, they they wanted to make sure they thought they could go ahead and end it. They were wrong, but that's what I think a lot of what was going on. So it was better to ignore her and focus on how they could destroy that campaign. And this overall reaction of ignoring her, you know, because of her politics or because of the person that she worked for, um, also gets to a larger theme that we like to talk about on the show every week, which is that feminism exhibited time and time again it's not really about empowering women or making us safer or you know emboldening us it's about pushing a specific agenda they don't care if a conservative woman was sexually harassed or had a me too moment because it doesn't fit their agenda right it fits their agenda um, when other people experience this and it they only like to bring it up or talk about it when it fits their narrative. In their defense, I think if we had a liberal commentator here, they would probably say, well, why should we prop up Kellyanne Conway's story when she was out there defending uh, President Trump or Donald Trump during the campaign uh, for that infamous Access Hollywood tape um, that we all know about so well? But I just think that gets to the greater point that everybody deserve, has a voice and everybody's stories deserves to be ho- heard and I do think she makes a very fair point that um, the the liberal media um, did not care to report on her story at the time simply because of her politics. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, just it, her working for Donald Trump doesn't erase what happened to her. Right. It doesn't like go back in time and automatically undo this. Right. And people's stories are messy and nuanced. And her story is messy and nuanced and doesn't fit a perfect narrative one way or another. And they just ignored it because they were like, oh, we don't know what to do with this. This is twisting our minds too much. (laughs) Well, moving on to another topic, we could talk about all this sexual harassment, sexual assault all day because there is just just too much, (laughs) too much of it. But there are, are a lot of other important stories out there to cover. And for this next that happened Topic, we wanted to give a shout out to the Daily Caller for finding this one. A website called, excuse my language, I'm sorry that I have to say this, but PussyScouts.com published a new feature, a new video featuring young girls dressed up as Girl Scouts rapping about how much they hate President Trump. We spoke with our editors about whether or not we wanted to play this for you because, uh, you know, it's it's very in- interesting and I think you all would um, get pretty riled up if you watched it. But ultimately, we decided against showing it because this v- video features very young girls using profanity, using really, um, uh, really disgusting language. 
to uh, basically disparage President Trump, call him a fraudster, a racist, you name it, even worse words that I'm not going to use right now. Um, So this, to me, looks like an example of adults using young girls not only to further a political agenda, but at the end of the day, it's very clear what they wanted to do here, and that is to sell T-shirts. That is the (laughs) ultimate goal of this video to, to sell shirts that say girls just want to have fundamental rights and this is what a feminist looks like. And I, I personally found this video absolutely appalling. Uh, I think it's hypocritical that the liberals are out there um, denouncing President Trump for his foul language. And then you have them basically giving a script to a bunch of young girls, encouraging them to use foul language. There's so much wrong about it. A lot to unpack. What do you both think? Well, I think that um, the they're sitting there reducing women to literally to their body parts. The, yeah, the, 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 they're called pussy scouts. Come on, this is what they're doing. <laughs> they are reducing us just to our body parts, and then they're taking young girls and they're they're feeding information to them that they're they're turning around and coming back, and they're they're using essentially exploiting that so that they can sell a product, which is just, it's absolutely ridiculous. But it goes to a bigger concern, and that is that they're teaching these girls that um, that the uh, that what President Trump stands for is bad. That's what they're essentially trying to do. And if you wind up not agreeing with them politically, then you're anti-woman. I can't just, I've been, I've been called anti-woman. You guys right. have probably been called anti-women. Oh, yeah. Repeatedly. And when, <laughs> when I talk about, when I say young girls, I'm talking, they must have been around seven years old. Right. I, I mean, this isn't, from what I understand, not at all affiliated with the Girl Scouts, but... No, it is not. Yeah. For the record, it is but not. It's not at all affiliated with that. But I do think that, you know, it's not, this didn't come out of a vacuum. We've seen Girl Scouts politicized time and time again, you know, signing petitions for Planned Parenthood, donating parts of their cookie revenue to Planned Parenthood and different other things like that. So, you know, this didn't come out of a vacuum. They got the idea. They pulled it out of real life. Uh, and I think that this just really goes to show that I think we need to step in and depoliticize Girl Scouts because when you're seven, I don't think this stuff needs to get forced down your throat. Well, let me take that point one more uh, one more step further and specifically get Jenny Beth's opinion on this because this is an area as a whole movement organizer she knows a lot about. Um, this, this video wasn't the only example that we came across this week of a sort of brainwashing of young girls and pressuring them to think and believe certain ways. Um, so according to the New York Times, more than 500 people attended a teen Vogue Summit over the weekend, and I believe it was in New York City. It was a two-day event. Tickets cost anywhere from $300 to $550. Hillary Clinton was the keynote speaker at the summit. Um, Usually the summit talks about fashion and beauty and makeup tips, but this year, of course, they decided to weigh into politics. So my big concern here is that if you're a young girl or woman right now, maybe in the in the middle politically, my concern is that the liberals are trying so hard to pander towards young girls and tell them that unless you stand with her and are um, 
you know, vote Democrat, then you're against women. As, as you just mentioned, you're anti-women if you're Republican. So my question is, how do we as a movement respond to this and specifically reach young girls and women? Well, we're certainly not going to do it through Teen Vogue. <laughs> and and Teen Vogue, really, I've, I've noticed in, I, I use the app Flipboard to get my news. And I have so, I, I like so many different things that I wind up getting a lot of different articles in it. I get articles from Teen Vogue in there from time to time. And they'll... They have nothing to do with the subjects I've liked, but they're they have a very liberal bend. They are talking about all sorts of things that I think are really if they want women to be respected and they want women to be liked the and they want women to stand and be able to stand on their own and achieve things i i personally think that a lot of the problems that we have are because they're sexualizing women and objectifying women and then they're coming back and saying no don't don't sexualize us don't touch us don't don't treat us as sexual objects but yet that's what they're teaching young girls from a very very young age and then at, at this thing if you're not with hillary then you're against all all women it is kind of I, I experienced this on a plane recently with someone who had worked in the Clinton administration this man was saying to me when he found out who I was well we are not going to agree on anything you are a racist you're against women I've talked to psychologists and psychiatrists about people like you and they've just said you don't even like women you hate women oh my gosh. and you like to be punished and I'm like what oh, yeah and I'm sitting in a plane with him there's not a whole lot of places to go and finally I just said you know what you are the most prejudicial person I have met in years and he's I am not prejudiced. How could you say that about me? And I said, look at how much you've prejudged me just because you learned that I'm with Tea Party Patriots. Are you kidding me? You don't know the first thing about me. And um, that's the kind of attitude. I mean, he was he was angry at me. And it's it's this is what we're going to what we're going to have to do is teach. I have a 14 year old daughter and a 14 year old son. Right now I'm having to teach my son as he's he's moving into his teenage years to be very careful so he's not accused of assault because the meaning of assault is getting conflated getting with harassment. conflated well yeah. and it's getting conflated with hey uh, you made an advance on someone you, uh, right men do you make advances on women and that doesn't necessarily mean it's assault you don't know some every they could misread way, your signals right and then you know if they continue then that's a problem right but if they back down right i mean it, Exactly. So I'm having to make sure that we're wading through some of that very delicately and then teaching my daughter, you know, you've got to be able to stand up for what you believe in, even if other people around you don't don't like it. You've got to be strong and be self-assured and understand what it is that that you believe in and why you believe it and what's right is right and wrong is wrong and understand that. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that that's good preparation, especially for your daughter, right? To just be prepared for, if she has an opinion that differs slightly in any way from the larger agenda, you know, she could face a difficult time, as I'm sure that you have. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of work to prepare your kids very well for the future. Well, thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> I just hope that young girls realize there's really nothing more empowering than being an educated and independent thinker. Wherever path that leads you, whoever it leads you to vote for, I just hope they realize 
realize there, there really is something empowering about at times going against what's popular and really standing up for what you believe in. And that's what I hope that we through the show can do. Yeah, you're exactly right. And speaking of standing up for things that you believe in, Nancy <laughs> Pelosi stood up for a lot of things that she believed in this week. She believed in. She believed in, yeah. <laughs> so she believed that uh, the tax plan was ushering in the apocalypse. And I, I actually kind of agree with her a tiny bit in the sense that, you know, the tax plan doesn't pay for itself. It's adding over a trillion dollars to the deficit. I think we're headed towards a fiscal Armageddon if we don't get our deficit under control. But that's not why she was upset about it, right? She was upset about it because it was a Republican tax plan. And a lot of her objections uh, to this tax plan were very transparent, transparently for that reason. Well, and she also had an issue this week within her own party because there are there's a huge portion of Democrats who wanted to vote to impeach Trump and they attempted to do that. And she actually said, eh, you know, maybe maybe that's not what we should be doing this year. And that caused Nancy Pelosi to be very problematic within <laughs> her own party, which uh, I found ironic. But she has had a difficult time lately, even going back to the issue of sexual assault and sexual harassment. She's flip flopped on this this issue. You. Um, I, I, I'm curious, Jenny Beth, what do you think of Nancy Pelosi's most recent actions? Well, there are a couple of things here. Um, I want to address something about about the tax plan. I I am in favor of the tax plan. I think that the the corporate rate needs to kick in in oh, a absolutely. few weeks, yeah. not in a year from now. We need to repeal the individual mandate. Yep. And Tea Party Patriots started. Actually, not because of taxes, but because of government spending and the debt and the in the deficit. And we also have a spending bill coming up. And what we've told our supporters, we deal with taxes and the tax plan, and we're going to deal with spending and the spending plan. Congress needs to address the spending problem that we have. Yeah. And we need to cut spending. We stand and have supported the penny plan, which is simply spending one penny less out of every dollar. If they would do that, we'd have a balanced budget within five to seven years. And... And then add that on top of tax rates that are reduced in a growing economy. And I think that we would see something that none of us have experienced in our adult lives happen in this economy. And it, so that is that's what we need to do. She's definitely against it for political reasons. When it comes to the sexual harassment thing with Nancy Pelosi, I'm concerned with something that she's doing in the way that she's doing it. She defended John Conyers originally on a Sunday talk program, and she um, then had to walk it all back. And one of the things that she said as she walked this back is... I spoke to the victim, and the victim had a very compelling story, and now I think Conyers is wrong and he needs to resign. And then the same thing has happened with one of Al Franken's accusers. I spoke to the victim, and uh, and this is a problem. And w w all of a sudden, she's judge and jury. W it, but it only works if she's actually talked to you. Now, what happens to all the other women who have truly been harassed or assaulted and um, who don't get to speak to Nancy Pelosi? Like Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, like Kellyanne Conway. She probably wouldn't have believed Kellyanne Conway unless Kellyanne had a compelling story. It, we've got to be careful as we're addressing these issues and how we approach the solution. The solution isn't that Nancy Pelosi is going to be the final judge and juror. That That's not the solution. The solution is actually our founding principles. We have to have due process. When it comes to the 
not the political side, but the court system and the um, the legislative side of all this, we've got to make sure that there's due process, the presumption of innocence, that victims are not re-victimized when they come forward and they tell their story, and that... Um, that we don't, the, the pendulum doesn't swing so far that a man once could get away with anything, and now a man's entire career and source of livelihood could be destroyed just because one person says something. We have to be very careful with this, and I think the solution is in our founding principles and, and our Constitution. So as we deal with this, that's one thing I keep coming back to in every single interview that I've given on the subject. But Nancy Pelosi, she's just she's hypocritical, and it's kind of unreal. Yeah. Well, I personally support your mission to make the Fourth Amendment cool again. I think that that's <laughs> definitely a good goal. Um, awesome. Well, let's end that segment on that. Make the Fourth Amendment cool again. Um, we have a bit more to get to today. So there is a huge Supreme Court case that was heard before the justices this week. And that, of course, is the case of Masterpiece Cake Shop, Colorado cake baker named Jack Phillips, who was sued because he declined to make a cake for a same-sex wedding um, because of his religious beliefs. I'm sure a lot of our audience members are very familiar with this case, have probably been following it, but we thought there might be a little detail (laughs) that would be fun to share that you probably have not yet heard. And the backstory of this is that Bree and I were both actually at a dinner earlier this week for Jack Phillips. He was being honored by Alliance Defending Freedom, which is the legal nonprofit that has been representing him throughout this court case. And at that at that dinner they asked uh, a different cake baker to make a big cake that looked like the Supreme Court honoring Jack Phillips. Uh, Jack Phillips could not uh, be the person to design and make and bake this cake because he was not in Colorado. He was here in Washington, D.C. So Alliance Defending Freedom had an interesting time apparently going around different bakeries in the D.C. metropolitan area asking people to design this cake for their cause that apparently some people disagreed with. Earlier this week, my colleague Genevieve Wood with The Daily Signal interviewed Kristen Wagner, who is a mother who also is the person who argued Jack's case before uh, the Supreme Court this week. So she um, is really an incredible person. She's a boss. We have a whole profile of her on The Daily Signal. I I encourage you to to, uh, read it and and, and show your support for her because she's a busy lady. Um, So we want to play a quick clip from this earlier Facebook Live with Kristen explaining what happened with this cake request from The Daily Signal. We tried to get a really elaborate cake uh, from one cake designer, and they declined. They didn't <laughs> want to express so a message <laughs> in support of Jack Phillips and Alliance Defending Freedom, which we said, we're defending your right at the Supreme Court to do that, so thank you very much. Uh, but we did find a cake artist that was happy to design a wonderful cake. Um, it had the Supreme Court on it. It had pictures of clients. I think it was probably three or four feet tall. Yeah. Um, it was just incredible, and I know there are some pictures floating around on the internet of it, but it was a wonderful, wonderful night of celebration. So what? So I hope you all enjoyed hearing that little story. We just thought that was yet another example of hypocrisy coming out yeah. from the left. Uh, so Speaking you can watch you can watch that whole uh, Facebook live on the Daily Signal if you want to catch the whole thing. Speaking of hypocrisy we're gonna play our favorite game called or my favorite game i'm speaking for kelsey here right of course i love it yeah we're gonna play real or fake news um you and i will read off some headlines and you're gonna guess if they are real or if they're fake if you get it right 
You hear All the right. ding. It's your reward. Okay. okay. All right. I'll start out. The Senate's tax plan. Oh, and it's tax plan themed. Yes. Okay. So this is right up your alley. Yeah, this is up your right. alley. The Senate tax plan would cut alcohol taxes. That would be a public health disaster. False. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This is real. It was real. Oh, is it real? Okay. Yeah. They're cutting. So Vox was freaking out. That's the headline that they penned. In regards to this one aspect of the GOP tax plan. All right. Alcohol is already linked to 88,000 deaths each year. The Senate bill could add 1,500 deaths to that annual toll. Okay. (laughs) Some outrage over there. Um, Article number two. Hillary Clinton calls Senate tax bill insulting attack on Americans. Real or fake? Well, that sounds like it could be real. (laughs) It's real. (laughs) Of course that's real. That one's not even that hard. (laughs) But I, I love how they try to make this so personal. Like, like of course, tax reform is personal. It's about money. But, I mean, everybody, money is money at the end of the day. Why? Yeah. All right. Article number three. Chuck Schumer said GOP tax reform would shut down public schools, particularly in minority neighborhoods. Real or fake? Well, I don't think it really does shut down public schools, but I can see that he would say that. So I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a real if he really said it or not. So that's actually a fake story. Okay, we made it up, but you are totally right that this fit in the vein of all of the hysteria that we saw coming from members right. of Congress freaking out. It totally sounds like something he would say, which is why we tricked you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, our last headline: Harvard economist said the Senate tax bill would kill ten thousand people each year. But wait for it. The truth is worse. Um, well, that sounds like something that they would would say. I think that might be a real headline. You're totally right. Think Progress came out with that whopper. <laughs> Though estimates vary regarding how many people will die if this uh, if this many people lose their health insurance. So they're talking about people losing their health insurance because of the tax reform uh, plans. Studies suggest the number is quite high. Um, Let's see. It found that for 830 adults gaining insurance coverage, there was one fewer death per year. One thing that always concerns me about these these things is that um, just how many they they always go to death. Yes, it's death. It's someone who's going to die. Hey, I. We're all going. I, I've got news for you. One hundred percent of us are going to die at some point. So it's not. It. it I, I think that it's such a a bad way to approach whether you oppose, you're in favor or against a piece of legislation. It really, yeah. really disturbs me. And that might just be because I grew up as a. I am the daughter of a Methodist minister. I've gone to more funerals than I can actually count. And. It, People weren't dying because of legislation. Yeah, it's bother- very reductive yeah. and what, stupid. What bothers me about this is they're obviously referring to the individual mandate here. And yeah. if you actually think, what is a mandate? You're mandating someone buy something. So if somebody dies because they chose not to get health care, what happened to personal responsibility in this country? They still have access to health care if the individual mandate gets repealed. That just means the government is not going to force you to buy something that you don't want. But right. I actually think in society it's about time we all realize that, hey, if you don't want to die, maybe it's a smart decision to go out and buy health care. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I do think that you know there were 
reasonable objections to pulling out the individual mandate without taking out the rest of Obamacare, right? As a result, it's going to um, result in higher premiums just because of the risk pools. I mean, I I think it's very clear that Obamacare needs to be repealed in total in order for this to be better. But in the short term, what this does is it doesn't penalize people for not getting insurance that they can't afford. uh, My health insurance is going up over $900 next year. And that doesn't include changes to co-pays and in the negotiated prices and anything else. My insurance premiums alone are going up $900. And um, if I'm an average person with this health care, I mean, with this tax reform bill and my health insurance goes up $900 and I save $800, guess what? I'm still at $100 because of the individual mandate tax I'm still out uh, out of that increase. So we it needs to go away. And then I can still choose to do that if I want to. But at least if I hit hard financial times, I'm not required to do that. Right. Or or face this awful penalty that, you know, is a big burden for a lot of Americans. It, it is a burden. Yeah. So it's about that time. We're going to get down. Best time of the week. Best time of the week. We're going to each week we like to crown a woman uh, who is the problematic woman of the week. And that sounds kind of like, oh, maybe that's not the nicest term. But the leftists leftists call us problematic all the time. So we're saying, listen, just wear it like a crown of honor. Wear it like a badge of honor. Just be problematic. It's a good thing. Buck the narrative. Okay. But usually they're pretty, these are pretty lighthearted stories when we find examples of who we crown the problematic woman of the week. But this week it's actually more of a serious story. Um, So we'll go ahead and announce it. So this week the problematic woman of the week is Purity Thomas. So Purity is a member of Students for Life for America in Roanoke, Virginia. And apparently this past Saturday she was praying and speaking to women in hopes of changing their hearts and minds um, from getting an abortion. She was standing near a Planned Parenthood facility and suddenly a bystander walked up, threatened, threatened her, came at her, uh, claiming she would beat her up and use some profanity, and then literally sucker punched her in the face on camera. Yeah. This is a pretty disturbing incident. I mean, this is a teenage girl who was standing outside of uh, a clinic, right? And she's trying to pray for women. And then someone just came right up to her and sucker punched her because she didn't like what she had to say or what she was thinking. I mean, that's really scary, right? You shouldn't face the threat of being beat up for your political opinions. It's assault. Yeah. And in this case, I mean, as pro-life women, or as a pro-life woman, I should say, um, you know, I don't really think that this is even a political issue. I think that this is really just cut and dry an issue of life and death. And I don't think that you should get punched for standing up for someone else's life. For those watching on Facebook, we actually have the clip of this 15-year-old, I believe, getting punched. We will play it now, and if you're listening on our podcast, you can hear the equally as traumatizing audio. Is 
to the podcast and didn't get to see uh, the audio, what happened at the end there is that she got punched in the face and actually fell to the ground. Um, so, you know, it seemed like it was a pretty devastating punch there. I, I've been outside of the Supreme Court um, a, a few times when I thought I was going to get punched, but it's I, I never was. It's it's very concerning. And and this is a 15 year old. This is still a teenager. Right. She's a minor. She's a child. She and um, it, it, it's very disturbing. We've heard the left talk a lot about sexual harassment, sexual assault. Where are they in this? This isn't just I mean, it's it's not sexual. But it's flat out assault. Yeah. I didn't see any statements from Planned Parenthood condemning this from happening. I'm going to have to go back and check now. If I see anything that they've stated on it, I will tweet it out. But they've once again been silent. And I just think that, you know, they claim to stand up for women. Well, what happens when a woman gets sucker punched in the face outside of your one of your facilities? Yeah. They don't care because her beliefs don't fit their agenda. Well, uh, Jenny Beth, thank you so much for joining us oh, today. Thank it you was, so much for having me. It was really a pleasure having you on and getting to know you. You'll have to come back when you're back here in town. Uh, but that wraps up our show this week. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know problematic women, please don't be shy in letting us know. You can follow my work at The Daily Signal and on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness. And I'm Bree Payton, staff writer over at The Federalist and friend of The Daily Signal. You can follow me on Twitter at Bree underscore Payton and read all of my work over at at thefederalist.com. And you can also follow Jenny Beth on Twitter at Jenny Beth M. And you can check out all of her work and everything that she's doing over at teapartypatriots.org. This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalist, and it is produced by Lauren Evans of The Daily Signal. You can tweet segment ideas to her on Twitter at Lauren Liz Evans. We appreciate you, all of you, liking this podcast, sharing it with your friends, and supporting strong conservative women who are standing up for America's culture.